Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. I'm Jay. Today, things get heated when we talk best movie fights and check out a Spike Lee joint. Also, we learn about a new app that could help you find your Valentine. And it's round two of series survival. It's time for a top three turf war. I love that voice. Me too. My gosh, who is that sexy devil? It's we not know. me. It's not me. It's not you. <laughs> it's it's the very talented Darren Osborne. That's right. And uh, you can actually, in our show notes, just take a look through and see who all the talented people are who brought our intros together. Yes, completely agree. All right, now let's get to this. It's time to fight. Yes, or maybe it'll be gentle like last time. I don't know. We're talking about the best movie fights of all time. The uh, This Friday... Fist fight with Charlie Day and Ice Cube comes out. We thought, okay, how do we how do we play with this? So we're gonna go back over movie history and give our our personal three favorite fights. And I think that we have to have a disclaimer. We actually have no idea what is on our list, but we had to have a conversation about the raid and the raid two. Neither one of us actually has seen this movie yet. I have seen all kinds of videos online. But without the context of the film, I don't know why they're fighting as amazing as they are. I know these are incredible, incredible, incredible fight sequences, but they won't be making our list just because we haven't seen them. Yes, exactly. Doesn't mean they're not awesome. And I'll be honest, I haven't seen that many pure action films, as you'll see with my list. Well, I want you to start us off with number three, which is... The Princess Bride. (laughs) (laughs) Is that even an action movie? It's a comedy. No, but nobody said that it had to be. It said fight scenes. No, you're absolutely right. So which fight in the film? There's a lot of sword fights. There are a lot of sword fights. It is the one on the castle on the cliff between the Spaniard. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And the main dude, carry something or other. Carry Owens. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got the mask on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has the mask on. So this on. is like the, one of the first times they meet. Yes. Okay, They go. don't yet know that they're on the same side, but it's a really civilized fight. I like their... I love the banter. It's funny. It's quick. It's the sword play. The, like, witty comments back and forth. I don't know. It just gets me. I love this fight every time. Pretty good fight. So my number three, I I just also want to preface, this is the best fight in a film, so there has to be more than one punch, because I really wanted to put Back to the Future with Biff and Marty's dad. Like, it's got the most, that punch has the most weight behind it, because it, like, transforms his future, but it has to be an actual fight. So here is what I went with for my number three. Indiana Jones. Oh. versus the German mechanic in Raiders of right. the Lost Ark. So, you know, they have just found and escaped from um, the the pit, the well of snakes and evil, and they've gotten out and they're running to a plane so they can get away from these awful Nazis, <laughs> and they have to fight a bunch of people, and all of a sudden the German mechanic comes out, and you know he means business. Like, he puts down a big pipe and moves on over, and he looks like he's just come out of a bar and he's ready to fight. And and Indy looks exhausted just looking at him. <laughs> and they have this huge fight, which, you know, Indy gets some good shots in, but then he gets on his ass. And then it ends with the plane spinning and he gets put in the propeller. Mm-hmm. But that scene has always been so thrilling to me. You know, 
Um, there's not a lot of dialogue between them, but it's funny. It's that Spielberg funny where, you know, he tries to, he tries to fool him a couple of times. He punches them somewhere. It doesn't really hurt him. And, and you kind of understand like they're not on equal, uh, footing, but they both understand the stakes and they're like, well, we got to fight anyway. Let's press on. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. I just love that fight. And it's one of my favorite movies. It is a really good movie. It's on a lot of best lists. I respect that fight. That's Thank you. a good what's, fight. What's your two? My number two is Kill Bill Volume 1. Ooh, the, like the samurai big, fight? Yeah, the big giant fight Amazing. with the big blood and the like. Yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, the whole nine yards. I think I think if you're listening, you've got this in your head now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the fight was just so intense. It was one of the biggest fights I think I've ever seen in a movie. In the sense of like, there are so many people coming after this one woman and she is just ripping. Slicing through all of them. All of them. And the blood effects to me actually is part of the reason why it stood out. It felt like a cartoon. I saw this live action movie and I don't even really like Kill Bill Volume 1. I know everybody loves this movie. I, I'm a number one person versus number two. But when I start it, I have to finish it. Like there's no going back once I get into Kill Bill. I see. It's like I have to like, I, I'd rather just have it as one movie. Maybe I need to see the two movies as one movie, um, but there were just things about them that I didn't love. They're not bad movies, and this fight scene, you can't deny. It's incredible. An amazing, amazing fight scene. It felt like a cartoon. It was this weird, like, thing that I was watching real humans, and yet it felt cartoony, and I thought that was really cool. I get it. Okay, so my number two, this is, like, choreography and a really, really great martial artist. So Tony Jaa, he takes on an entire gang in a movie called The Protector. So if you haven't seen The Protector, here's the storyline. They stole his elephant from his tribe and he goes to the city to get his elephant back. Kind of like John Wick. Yeah, it's kind of like John Wick. And he will go to any length to get it back. And some, I believe at the point in the film, he finds out that one... Uh, there's two elephants and they have killed one of them and the revenge and the anger on him when he storms this, a building that's a club and a restaurant that with four floors. And then they do one tracking shot where he kicks everybody's ass in the entire restaurant and club. And I mean, he throws people through walls. Like it's every level of bone-breaking, amazing action. And I, I love the tracking shot for it. And when he gets to the end, of course, he has, like, a real guy to fight, like, real hardcore. But he, it, it's so good. Uh, and I, I fell in love with Tony Jaa in that film. I actually saw that before Ong Bak. So, um, so that was definitely the one for me. Want to know my number one? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's... The subway fight scene in the Matrix. In the Matrix, of course. It It was so hard for me to leave this off, but it's such a good fight. It's such a good fight, and it also represents technological advancement that changed fighting in movies. And that's why it's my number one. We wouldn't have tracking shots the way they are without that. Exactly. uh, This was a game-changing fight scene that changed the way that a lot of future fight scenes were done at the time. And you can even watch it now. Like You watch this movie. We we rewatched this movie last year. And talked about it. And one of the things that blew me away the most is how much the effects. They hold up. They hold up. 
Like, when was this movie made? Over 10 years 1999. ago? 1999. Yeah. This was pre-2000, and yet you watch this fight scene, and you're like, wow, the effects. Incredible. That 360-degree view of, like, the camera. And so for me, that makes it number one. Wow. Okay. Um, I have just as iconic a scene. I think in many ways changed the way that we view fighting in films and more importantly, how we view fights in films, period, and characters. And that is the fight between Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed in the original Rocky. Mm. You have a fight that is built up over the course of the entire film. He's the underdog. Nobody expects him to win. And when they get in the ring, he holds his own. He doesn't win the fight, though. This is one of the first time in sports movies they don't win and it's okay. It's more than okay. Everybody gets a happy ending. It actually changed the way that movies are made. All of a sudden, all these dour films started getting happy endings at the end of them because of Rocky. Because people wanted to feel that elated at the end of it. And it didn't matter if you won or lost. Which, of course, he didn't win in the first film. Yeah. We have to get to, you know, the second one for him to actually win. But he's proved himself as a man. He's become the person that he wants to be. And he puts up his... And he screams for the only thing he wants, which is Adrian. And she runs to him. And it's just... What a great, great finish to an incredibly exciting fight. They go 10 rounds and they, they end it and they're both bloody and they're warriors, but they, they respect each other now. I loved it. There is a lot to be said for that type of victory. The inner victory, it doesn't matter if you win, but it matters that you did your best and it matters that you proved yourself and it matters that you were a contender. I love it. I love it so much. I'm like amped just talking about it. So right, we have I'm, a hard decision to make. I'm pretty happy giving that number one as long as the Matrix gets number two. I think the Matrix deserves number two. Um, so now I want Indy on the list. It's Indy versus Kill Bill Volume One, I guess. Yeah, I, you know I like Tony Jaw, but in the all time in ours, I kind of you kind of want the Indian I kind of there. want Indian more. I do love the Indiana Jones What's movies. Your third? Uh, my third was Princess Bride, which I'm pretty fine with leaving out off of the list. It's, I would rather too. have Kill Bill on there because it's such a big scene. It doesn't have to have familiar things, mm-hmm. but it I think it might benefit from them, if that makes sense. Is that your your argument towards indie? <laughs> yeah, that's my argument towards indie over it, Tony, Tony Jaa and The Protector. That's Okay, I understand. And over Princess Bride. Which, which some people can't remember when that happens in the film. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> I didn't remember. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, it's a good scene and it's a good movie. But, no, you know what? I'm fine with taking Princess Bride off the list. I really think it's Indy versus Kill Bill Volume 1. All right. So, Kill Bill. I mean, it did something new. Indy, both of these films are iconic. They're both iconic. The The fight with Indiana Jones is on a lot of best lists. People respect that fight scene. And people respect Kill Bill Volume 1 as well. But what what matters to a fight? Is it... Like, both of these fights, I think, weigh on the... They stand out. You like, remember them. They have, to, they have to kill these people, or they have to get past these people. Or... Otherwise, the movie's over. Exactly. However, these are not important people. It's not like the final fight. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. So, okay. So, these are basically, like... 
they're basically the same fight. They're the same fight. The difference is now style. You have a more realistic kind of gritty Spielbergy kind of fight going totally. on. Totally. I mean, but you a know, stylized sort of so genre does choreog- fight. Choreography matter because I would argue he's fighting Nazis. That's your that's that's what's you're going that you're going low. You're going content. She is a murderer. He's trying to save the world <laughs> from Nazis. <laughs> I mean, that's a really hard argument to like argue against. I mean, if he doesn't get in that plane, Nazis will win the war. You're killing me here. You're killing Uh, me. I'm just saying. You're playing the Nazi card. You're just saying. You're playing the Nazi card. In what world does beating up Nazis, except this world where one story last week was Uh, upset because somebody who a neo-Nazi got punched and people were upset. I get that. I get it. Did you know about that story? No. There's a journalist who has like neo-Nazi tendencies, kind of a, like a white supremacist uh, agenda. And he works on an alt-right paper and he was at a rally. He was just talking though. Like he wasn't doing anything. He was just talking and somebody came over and cold cocked him. Oh. And the internet was like, good, Nazis, kick his ass. And I was like, Nazis bad. But also he didn't do anything. He was just talking into a camera. I don't know how we got from Indiana Jones beating to Nazis here. to me defending some sort of guy for just talking and getting punched in the face, but you know he's what? wrong to have those views. Let's talk about that when we get to do the right thing. Let's put a pin in it. Okay. Because I actually, I think this is relevant. This story is relevant to our podcast today. Okay, but you've conceded on Indy. I'm going to concede on Indy. You got you played the Nazi card and you won. <laughs> Nazis. Goddamn Nazi card. All right, Jay, let's count this damn list off. Number three, Indiana Jones versus German mechanic in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number two, the subway fight scene in The Matrix. And the number one best fight in film is Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed in the original Rocky. That's a good list. That's a solid list. You know, we got, we're beating up Nazis, <laughs> beating up Apollo Creed. I mean, I feel like this is, this is a great list. I got a question for you. Go for it. Why are we at all qualified to be talking about this stuff? You know what? I was really hoping that you'd ask that question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like our wavelengths of minds are sinking into some sort of crazy thing like pacific rim who knows i was thinking the other day all of our new listeners listening in are probably thinking who are these crazy people talking about more than movies and why are they here why are we here well okay we're why is it us it's us because we're super good friends jay and i have been friends for a really long time 10 plus years i am an actor and so i work in the film industry I was a film critic for a couple of years. Yeah, and he worked, and spent a lot of years working in radio. I'm kind of obsessed with movies. And now he works in television. So we're like, you know, in the media realm, and we're also super obsessed with what we do. We really like. Oh, yeah. This. And quite frankly, I hope it's coming through on the mics. We have a lot of fun doing this. A lot. So that's why we're here and we're talking to you, and that's a little bit about us, I think. Yeah. Good enough. I mean... You're going to have to tell us if you're liking what we're doing or if uh, if you just like our intros. Here's another one. It's app time. 
There is a very cool app that we have to talk about. It's a new dating app. Is it going to be better than Tinder? I don't know. It's called Hater, and it basically is from a comedian. I wonder if people can meet based on things they hate in his set and then realize, huh, maybe I'll build an app of, you know, people who hate things as an app to meet each other. And I'm kind of like, huh, would that work? Do you and Blake hate the same things? I don't know. I don't run. I I mean, I hate things. Everybody hates things. Everybody hates things. But I will admit that I don't think about the things that I hate unless I'm hating it in that moment. Like, I don't like to hold on to my hate. I would be a really bad person to fill out one of these dating profiles because, like, if you ask me the things I hate. But some of the things that you hate on this list of things you can choose are kind of hilarious. Like, do you hate saying I love you? No, but I don't love saying I love you. What? Wait, why? Well, you know, I mean, it's like I love you. Like, it's a good, it's good to say. You definitely have to say it the first time you say it. It's very exciting. It's very important. Don't screw that up. And then, but eventually it just is like a reminder. Like, hey, I I still love you. But what about like random (laughs) things like fedoras or, or vaping? Okay, yeah. What are your thoughts on vaping or fedoras? I would say that I'm pretty neutral on both. If somebody comes up to me wearing a fedora, I am always in my head going, dude, I don't know if you're actually pulling that off. I feel like I've back in the day when fedoras were in for a little bit, I had one. I feel like you might have pulled it off, but I can't visualize it because you have a you have a better shaped head for a fedora. I have a really good hat head. I feel like I love hats. Yeah. When hats are in. I think vaping's insane. Vaping substances or vaping just in general like the people on the street who are like raspberry vaping well you know what i think the the presumption there is if you're vaping instead of smoking vaping's better for you so who cares here's a better question is this app kind of hipster i have a problem if you recall i do not understand what a hipster is never i never understand it people all be out at brunch which is that hipster Brunch isn't hipster, is it? It's, it? People say it is, but it's not. Brunch is just mainstream. But it's, I'll be out at brunch and people will say like, wow, that's hipster. And I'll be like, what is? And they're like, his plaid shirt. And I'll say, but I have a plaid shirt and am I hipster? And they're like, they like audibly laugh in my face and say, you are not hipster. The whole point about being a hipster is that it has to be a conscious counterculture choice. So is Hater the app? Hipster? Hipster. Yeah, for sure. It's a conscious counterculture like choice. However, I will say this. It just sounds like it's still got the swipe right, swipe left, swiping stuff. It just sounds like a Tinder knockoff. Like I don't know that this app or like is an OK bring... Cupid where you have to put in a whole bunch of things that you hate and then it matches you up with other people who hate those same things. But also, I think in a relationship, now you may ask, Jay. Why do you have any business telling me about relationships? Guess what, man? I don't. I got none. But I'm going to tell you anyway. I kind of feel like... Hey, I- you're, you're in a relationship. You've had relationships, other ones in the past. You've also sure, been single. Sure, it seems to be going well. <laughs> With that said... You're just engaged. No big deal. Becky does hate some things that I don't hate. Yeah. And I have a lot of fun bugging her about those things. Or... You know, we laugh about them or it gives us a great deal of discussion on those things. So 
in a way, on some occasion, we come together based on the things I like and she hates. Look, I think that people as like a pair, you want diversity. If you're too much the same, things are going to get boring. It's not going to be fun. Hater might be a fun way to break the ice because you can both be like, hey, I hate traffic. But it's like, who doesn't hate traffic? What if it's like, uh, hey, I hate scones. Be like, yeah, man, scones are pretentious. Just call them freaking buns. I love scones. They're buns, aren't they? No, they're totally different. What's what's different about them? They're like dense biscuits that are sweet. Biscuits. Yeah, like they're more like a biscuit than a bun. A bun is fluffier. So it's like a like a donut. No, no, it's denser than a donut. See, I hate people who can explain what a scone is. <laughs> so Ivana and I would never match on this app. <laughs> It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. Last week, we asked you guys to watch Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. I loved, like, I loved it. I had never seen it before. That's on me. My bad. I get it. Um, My bad is saying my bad. That's a hipster <laughs> thing to say, right? Or maybe it's not. No, my bad God. is like 90s. I like... really want to be hipster, guys. <laughs> You have to hate a lot more things to be a hipster. It's so hard to hate. Eh, I know. (laughs) But I loved Do the Right Thing. I just finished watching it before we started this podcast. I'm not going to lie. Me too. Okay, good. Um, So it's fresh in my mind. And when the film ended, I just kind of walked away from my computer and went and talked to my buddy. And I was like, man, have you seen this movie in a while? Like, it's so good. Um. He was, he's never seen it. He's going to watch it now. But, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear what he says. That that was Darren, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Darren. Oh, sorry. For context, Darren is actually a black person in Canada. Oh, right. Yeah. But I think it's more important, I think, that he's one of our voice talent. I keep saying these things that come across super racist. That's not, no, you're not. No, being. it's like, no, no, no. That's like me saying, <laughs> no, I have a black friend. We're watching a Spike Lee movie. Like, I don't have any of that, but it keeps every time I mention race, you bring up. No, that's not what I meant. You are you're actively trying to let our audience think I'm racist. No, I'm just I just meant you. You spoke with Darren, one of our voice talent people. He may have done an intro on this podcast. (laughs) Maybe this one. Sorry, with that said, I really liked it. What did you think? I have to say, I really liked it, but I kind of watched it in two spurts uh, because I didn't have time to watch the thing in all one sitting. And so when I left the first time where I stopped, it was about halfway through the movie, I sort of was like, I don't know if I love this movie. It's like the second half of the movie starts and everything comes together. Yeah, it takes uh, it takes you through a day in the life of all these characters and you really don't know where you're building to. Yeah, and so stopping where I stopped at that moment, I was sort of like, I'm seeing, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of cool things, but I'm not getting the point yet and I don't know what it's building to and I'm seeing just a lot of really separate characters and I kind of know where the commentary is what the commentary is. Yeah, it's leaning towards Don't be we racist. We as a people need to shut this shit down. Yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't matter if the one person is not racist. All of us have to stop being racist in any way. Black people have to stop being racist to white people. 
Puerto White Ricans people have need to, to be stop being racist. That's what like, I mean, right? Everybody has to stop being racist. And you can't pick and choose who you get to be racist with. Exactly. And and so like it's pretty clear from the very moment that the movie starts that the thesis of the film is don't be racist. Racist racism is hate. Hate is destructive. We should preface this part with we've been kind of vague up to this point, but we are going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Do the Right Thing, one, I, I'm i going to suggest it, that you watch this movie. Watch this movie. But we are going to talk about spoilers, so you may want to check the description and skip to the next part of the episode. With that said, that ending was incredible. Oh, my God. Well, just everything that everything built to... I feel like there was just a shift. Like, he really laid groundwork in the beginning. And everybody was flawed. Everybody had a moment where, oh, that's like a pain point. That's a pain point for them. Oh, you know, you can see the bitter and the heat is setting in on our main character. they all had a real good side, too. Like, every character... At some moment in the film, you're on their side. And on another moment in the film, you you're not on their side absolutely. anymore. And we, for the most part, are following Spike Lee's character of Mookie, who works at Sal's Pizzeria. And Sal is the only like white establishment in this very small community. Brooklyn, 1989. Yeah. Here's the thing that I loved about this little community. It feels lived in. It feels real. It's uh, It's got, you know. This crazy trio of older gentlemen who are living, not living, but who just sit outside all day Mm -hmm. uh, commenting on how the neighborhood's changed. You've got the young kind of punk kids in the neighborhood who aren't really horrible people. They're just rowdy. They're rowdy. They're young. They're mouthy. They're fun. We explore all of them as Mookie goes on deliveries, delivering pizza for Sal. And Sal and his sons work at the restaurant. And one of his sons is John Turturro, who is incredibly racist. Yeah, he doesn't. He thinks that they should go and be in a white neighborhood where they will live, where they live. And he wants to open a pizza parlor there. And his dad sort of says, no, there's all these other pizza parlors there. Why would I do that? Exactly. We, We are feeding this community. That gives me a lot of pride. And you watch as Sal really shows that he enjoys the community he lives in that it, or that, works in i should say yeah and that he has this element of these are good kids and i feed them and i help them grow and i watch them grow and they're as part a biggest part of my life as i am in theirs and mookie is one of these kids that he's helped mentoring he's given him a job 250 bucks a week running around all he has to do is walk pizza to people that's Pretty great. And and you know what? He disappears for hours at a time and doesn't seem to get in that much trouble or no, anything. No, he has a little talking to from a couple of people, but that's it. Yeah. You know? Um, so what ends up happening as one of the gateways to the ending of the film is they kick somebody out of the pizzeria. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who's really, you know, all about activism. Why are there no black people's pictures on the wall? You look at what community you live in. You should totally have black people on this wall and, and I mean, Sal in, in says hey way, it's an Italian pizzeria we got Italians on the wall and you know what I gotta say ultimately I agree with this guy you know what it is a black community you should have some black people on your wall I think so um, and but 
And so he's right. And I think that that should be like noted. Like there, you know what? He he is right. But the way that he goes about asking for it. Not cool. Not right. He yeah. gets angry. He starts to call for a boycott. He's really like trying to be an activist. But the problem is. He has no real drive to be a real activist. And he's being an activist against like a, a pizza store place. owner. Yeah. And he's right. Like I think that that is an ultimate thing that is there. But. He's right about something that maybe isn't that important in the grand scheme of things. Now, keep in mind, Sal's an older gentleman. He's uh, you know, set in his ways a little bit. Um, his pizzeria is his pizzeria, and he doesn't want to change it because reasons. If he wants Italian people on the wall, that's kind of the way it's going to be. It should just be like, okay, I'm not going to eat here anymore, and peace out. Like, it shouldn't be this big thing, but it becomes this big thing. And this gentleman comes back with a really large guy who's sort of a unsung hero in the neighborhood who walks around with his radio, his really large radio. And he walks in and says, put some black people on the wall. And the large guy with the radio cranks his tunes, which he's already been asked to turn that off. And it's the Fight the Power song, which is a pretty iconic song for that moment in time anyway. Really is. And Sal loses it and bashes the radio in which is wrong and he bat. says the n-word i mean he yeah well they call him a they call him a guinea which is just as racist if you're oh, what's a guinea? Ita- it's like a slur for italian oh i didn't know that you, you know learn something and new so every he day. immediately uses the n-word immediately after. i think i i think i missed that i heard them call him a cracker after and i, I know that term sure but anyway it doesn't really matter he like they are being it's after hours now they barge in and they're being they themselves are being bullies at this point so he smashes the radio which in and of itself is a bad act so you've got like what what i think the the meaning of this scene is you have these three guys who maybe were right to begin with now are doing something wrong this whole film takes place on one of the hottest days of the summer tensions are just high and it's the 80s, not every, it's a poor neighborhood. It's not like people are living in air-conditioned times. Everybody is dying of heat. Right. And you can see that all throughout the film. I mean, there's almost like a yellow cast to every yeah, shot. Yeah, almost like a glaze over everything. To just make it you know, look that hotter. Level yeah. Agreed. And so what ends up happening is Sal and this really large guy start fighting. And he looks like he's going to be killed by this man. Yeah. When the cops zoom in. And yeah, and this guy, this big guy is literally like, he is, he has his hands around Sal's throat and he might kill him. And he might kill him. Like so it they could drag happen. him off. And this is where this film becomes relevant to today. The police officers using brute strength choke this guy by accident or on purpose. It looks like it's on purpose. To death. I mean, they have him, they've subdued him. And one of the officers says, that's enough, Gary. And he tells him to fuck off and he keeps going and they kill him. Like, I think maybe it wasn't premeditated murder in the sense of I don't think that that police officer was like, I'm going to go kill me a man. And these these police officers we've seen throughout the film, too. Tensions have been high with them as well. They've they've said some things. They've seen some things that, you know, they don't want to deal with either. Yeah. So they get out of there. But now you've got. A dead person who was a hero in the community. He's dead because of a fight that broke out at Sal's. Yeah. And Mookie, our hero, our star of the well, film. And, and the police have now done something wrong. So you've got oh, yes. guys who are right on principle 
doing something wrong, which makes somebody else do something wrong, which then escalates this big fight what's wrong. And then the police come in and they do something wrong. And now Mookie walks away from Sal and the business he works at sides with everybody who are screaming at him mob mentality. And the thing is, at this point, people are now yelling at Sal as, as if, if Sal he did killed this. this man, which he didn't. He didn't. He didn't the do police anything. did. There's a part in this film where one of the wise sage people says to Mookie, hey, do the right thing. And he just doesn't. And it's so random and weird that Mookie's like, yeah, got it. Great. Thanks. And here's where he doesn't do the right thing. He picks up a trash can and this beautiful tracking shot. Yeah. Scream runs up to Sal's pizzeria and launches this trash can through the window, which incites a riot. And pandemonium. Like, pandemonium. I mean, they burn it down. They, they trash it, it. It's mob mentality. And, and what you get at the end of this scene is just that having these, this hate inside of you, this hate for other people, it, it, doesn't, like, it doesn't matter. Having it in you, the only thing it can create is destruction. The only thing that can happen from that is wrong. And all it takes to set it off is a bad day. Yeah, and the fact that we could do the wrong thing at any moment. There's this really interesting scene of these three men who are older and always talking about they're going to do something with their life. And one of them says, it's not right. These Koreans have now set up a fruit market in this building that has been condemned for years and they get a business. They've, what, been here a year and they get a business? Why do they get a business? And then they start talking about how they're they're black and that's why they don't have this business and that's and one of them rightfully so says you don't sit around on your ass and don't do anything how are you ever going to get a business yeah no one's going to hand it to you nobody's going to hand it to you yes these koreans have started this this new market and they're new americans but you know who knows what they did that first year they probably worked like six jobs got enough money to Scrape together to put together a tiny fruit stand. And at the end of the film, you think they're going to burn down that fruit stand as well. And, and it almost happens. It like almost it, happens. It almost does happen. But the Korean guy in his broken English says, we're l the same. We're black. And the guys sort of get it for a second. Like, oh, yeah, you're. You're also minority. You're also minority. You're also pushed down by people. You're pushed down by us. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're cool. It's fine. It's very interesting. And see, this is where we can circle back to that earlier conversation about that Nazi dude that right. got so there was down. Right, so there was this reporter for an alt-right, uh, white supremacist kind of site, or I, I don't know what he is or what his name was. You can totally YouTube this. He was punched in the face while doing a report. So he was reporting hate. That upset somebody. And that somebody took violence on that person. I think it's important that we all have different views. And some of them aren't going to jive with people. Being a uh, white supremacist certainly does not jive with me. I think they're horrible, horrible human beings. But I don't think I should go and cold cock somebody because of their beliefs. Yeah, I think, I think that... That story and that situation reminds me a lot about do the right thing. We all have the propensity to hate in us. It's really easy to succumb to our, our negative sides and to, to do the wrong thing. But 
if you cold cock that neo-Nazi asshole, all that it does for him is solidify in his head that he was right. I, I'm doing something that I'm totally within my rights to do, and I'm being beaten up for it. I'm the victim. He is doing the wrong thing. He's spreading hate himself. What he does on a day-to-day is a very bad thing. Right. But you're not solving the problem by by like punching him. I guess that's the thing is like and I think that's what this movie is about is that I understand. I understand why you would be angry at a horrible like racist asshole who propagates hate. But teaming up on this guy won't get rid of the hate. And I think that that's what this whole movie is about. The point is, and we're living in a time right now where there's a lot of hate for a lot of different races, for Muslims, for all these other things. And at the end of the day... It was shocking to watch this film today. Yeah, like to watch it today with especially the like magnifying lens that is on the police and the violence that they absolutely do. Yep. Um, and I, I thought that, that was very interesting, but the film is right. Until we get over the hate, until we stop doing the wrong thing, until we start listening to that part of ourselves that we all have that has the fear inside of us. And you know what? As a girl walking on the street at night, if I see especially like a large guy, immediately I'm like, oh, God, there is that element of me in me that's like backs up against the wall. There is there is absolutely an aspect of hate in that moment. And it's not necessarily on that person. But it's that concept that this could be a dangerous giant man coming to kill me. It happens. Everybody has it in us. But we can do better. We can do the right thing. So there's actually a line at the end of the film that I pointed out Mm -hmm. uh, that I wanted to say. So Martin Luther King, this is a quote from Martin Luther King. I'm paraphrasing here because it's actually a very long quote. But he said, violence leaves society in monologue rather than dialogue. Punching this guy in the face You've taken away any kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. And by taking away conversation, you've taken away any ability to ever understand each other. You're never going to be brothers if you can't understand each other. And the people in this world kind of need to come together. Like, I think now. now more than ever, we have to make this an active choice in our lives on the small scale, on the day to day, on the streets of our neighborhoods. Isn't it interesting that there was not a gun in this movie? I mean, gun violence is probably one of the biggest problems with And you police. better believe in 1989 there was a lot of gun violence going on. Of course there was. On. But in, in today, the, the militarization of the police is, is more of an issue than ever before in history. In this film, they didn't even pull out a gun on this guy that they're yeah, trying they to scum. they strangled him They strangled him with a nightstick. The trash can was the biggest weapon in this entire thing. Man, I I, I kind of want to watch it again. I think I give this movie four or a four and a half. Yeah, for I'm sure. giving it at least a four. At least a four. But I want to sleep on it and really, really get it. The, for, talk about it more. Especially from just, I loved the cinematography. I loved the lighting. I loved the look of this film. I loved the angles that things were shot at. Like visually, it just gets you. I love that red wall. That those guys oh, sit in front yeah, of, you know, absolutely. like it was colorful. With the one umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got more homework for you. Yeah. Next week, we're going to venture we'll, we'll over. We'll do a TV show. Yeah. We're going to venture over to TV land. Something a little light and funny just to like an appetite cleanser, if you will. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to watch the new Netflix series, Santa Clarita Diet. 
We only ask that you watch the pilot because, hey, that's a lot of show. We don't want you jumping that deep in it. I mean, unless you want to. Unless but you want we're to. we're going to be talking about the pilot. We'll just be delving into the pilot. Uh, so that is next week. Series Survival. Dun, dun, dun. Man, I love this segment. This is a great segment. Okay, so in the show notes, you'll find links to all the shows that we're talking about. We're going to run down three shows, and we're going to give our predictions for whether or not it'll make it to season two. We did this last week. If you haven't heard that one yet, you can go back in. But don't worry, we're keeping score. We're going we're gonna to track this and come back to it later in the series. All right. So what's number one? Number one is CBS's Doubt. Okay, so this, this is, is a with- new law drama with Katherine Heigl. It's going to mm. do great. I think it looks terrible. <laughs> I, it doesn't look good to me. But you know what? I'm not the target audience. Like, let's be honest. I'm not the person that is any Katherine Heigl show is aimed at. I think it maybe they mentioned What do Grey's you have Anatomy. against that woman? Well, she badmouths her shows. And her movies. Don't do it if you're going to badmouth it. Like that's, that's fair. Now, with that said, her biggest like screw off role ever was on Grey's Anatomy it when was. she left. This is by the producers of Grey's Anatomy, so maybe they've made nice? Yeah, they might have made nice. It might be just that she, people like to watch her. They find her really likable and they want to watch her and it's a money decision. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Is this making it to season two? Okay, here's the deal. Neither of us are the target audience. So neither- But I think it's going to make it. It's going to make it. It's going to make it for sure. Are you kidding? The producers of Grey's Anatomy- a law story that's not a procedural, but kind of similar to a procedural. You've got a hunky dude cast against Katherine Heigl as they have this triste, even though she's his lawyer. And so, like, you know, the target audience, which I believe is, like, boomer women. The biggest show really on TV right now, after Big Bang Theory, the big new show is Bull, which is a courtroom drama that I absolutely hated. It looked bad from the trailer. I watched oh, the first I've never episode. Seen it. I hated it. And it is one of the biggest shows. So Is Bull a procedural or Oh, is... totally procedural. Yeah, but see, this isn't a procedural. This is more like it's more like Grey's Anatomy. Think, it's more of Well, that... I think it's gonna be a little bit Veronica Marzi, where they take on a case every time, but there's an overarching thing. Oh, see, I disagree. I think it's gonna be an overarching each season will be overarching and that's all it is. Well, we both say yes, it'll make it a season two, so yeah. we'll have to check back in on that. Our second show is an HBO show called Crashing. And this is sort of reminding me of Louis from FX. Um, it's about a comedian who's down on his luck. His, his wife, I guess, threw him out or divorced or something like Something's that. Something's going on there. He's homeless. He and doesn't so have a crashing, place to stay. Yeah, he's crashing on people's couches. And there's a lot of really amazing c- comedy-like uh, walk-ons, I guess. Yeah, Sarah Silverman was in the... In, in the, the trailer. trailer. That's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Executive producer Judd Apatow. I think this will make it to season two. Uh, I also think that this is going to be one of those non-funny comedies. I'm going to take a risk. I don't think it's going to make it to season two. Wow. So I'm taking a gamble. Look at that. If if all of them are yes, I get one wrong. <laughs> I'm going to, no, I'm taking this gamble. Our third and last trailer we watched was Taken. Mm-hmm. This is based 
on take in the movies. Now, I, what I couldn't tell, is he a new guy that's being recruited? Or this was this is like a, a prequel? prequel to the character Brian? So this is who he becomes. This is his pre-self. Pre-self. Okay. This is he's going to rescue other girls who well, are yeah. not his daughter. Yes, yeah. This is this is where he learned his skills of rescuing that's, his daughter. That's right. I have a very particular set of skills. This is how he acquires them. Uh, all right. You know what? The show looked pretty good to me. Looked exciting. I'm going to say it's not going to make it to season two. I think it's going to be like limitless and that people won't watch it because it's just not going to have that special thing that gets people back to watching this thing. And it's not going to make it. That's my prediction. I'm predicting, yes, it will, because it's a high octane film franchise in itself that got a lot of attention. Plus, people are not unhappy with those movies, like even though two and three sucked. People still kept going back to the theater. I think this could be another lethal weapon, which, as you know, was is, is like one of my favorite shows on TV right now, which I did not expect. I actually was upset when they recast uh, a TV series as lethal weapon, but it's fun and it's like exactly what fun TV should be. See, I think lethal weapon and I ha- I still on my to watch list cuz right now I'm digging through all those 2016 movies in preparation for an episode yet to come. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. I totally would have guessed that lethal weapon would make it to season 2. I think they're very different shows, lethal weapon and taken, and I just don't think that taken is going to hit. Our last question on series survival this week. Are you going to watch any of these shows? I'm going to watch taken. Taken looks really good and I'll watch crashing just to see if it's better than what I think it's going to be. I will take you up on Taken just to give it a try. Um, And as always, you can check out these trailers down in the description. Uh, And we'll also stick when they're going to appear, when their actual premiere date's in. So if you have cable, if you're one of these people who listens to podcasts and has cable, it's cool if you are. Like, I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, but I work in TV, so I kind of need it. Yeah. Not a lot of people do anymore. No. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Like but a lot can of people still are watch watching these shows. But they can still find ways. <laughs> you can still find ways to support your local TV offerings. And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next week. And if you'd like to help us support the show, just like Christina416 from iTunes, we would really appreciate it. All you have to do is hop onto iTunes or any other podcast service you use and give us a quick rating and review. This really helps us grow the show, especially in the early stages. Our intro song comes from bensound.com, and you can find all the details about that and the other music and sound effects we use on our show in our show notes. Jay and I love hearing from you, so don't be a stranger. Reach out to us via our website, morethanmovies.net. Or on Facebook at More Than Movies Podcast. Or email us, hello, at morethanmovies.net. Or you can always catch us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. And we'll be back again next Monday with a brand new episode. Until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. 